Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. It's a different world out there, especially if you happen to be a member of the gay or lesbian community. Same-sex marriage experienced some major challenges and victories. Here to update us on this topic is Kevin James, Associate Director for Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for the Southern Union of Seventh-day Adventists. He's talking to us from his office in Norcross, Georgia. Kevin, what's the latest on this? We, we know about the big stories. I guess what I'm after today is what should be the Christian response. So first of all, tell us what's happening and how we should respond in your opinion. I think some clarification needs to be brought out and understanding about the decision, because there's a lot of feelings about the decision, yes, obviously. Yes. But I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is that the decision wasn't a religious decision. It was a decision made on the basis of civil rights. And whether we like it or not, there's something very interesting about our Constitution. And our Constitution, historically and for its whole purposes, we had a lot of protection for civil rights from the very beginnings. That's why we have the Bill of Rights, was the whole fear about government getting too powerful and taking over people's civil rights and understanding. And also, the whole issue of separation of church and state was for to be the purpose of that people's civil rights shouldn't have to be attached to, whether they have these civil rights or not, shouldn't be attached to the particular religion that they might be involved in. If you're in the majority religion at the time, then you can you know experience more civil rights, whereas if you're in the minority religion, you don't. So civil rights is a big issue, and when you look at the decision, that's exactly what they did, is they looked at the whole issue of the uh, 14th Amendment, which talks about citizenship, talks about not being denied the immunities and privileges of citizenship, having uh, equal protection under the law, and, and those kind of things was all applied into this particular decision. So Oberfeld, in a lot of ways, wasn't surprising because it was dealing with the, with the civil rights issues of same-sex couples wanting to have all the civil rights that come with marriage, and that's really what it was all about. Right. You know, at first blush, uh, we as Christians tend to say, oh, that's that's awful. We, we should not get behind that at all. And it, we tend to think of it as a defeat, and then the gay and lesbian community tend to think of it as a victory. But you're saying that ever since this country was founded, those rights were in place. They weren't quite identified the way that we're identifying it today, but the rights were there. Am I on the right track saying that? Yeah, I think what you're saying is, is pretty accurate. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, of course, when America became America, mm-hmm. and we formed the Constitution, ratified the Constitution, and we became the United States of America through the process, we were largely a country, a culture, let's put it that way, that was definitely defined by biblical mores. Mm-hmm of the Judeo-Christian background or, or faith. And so, historically, certain civil rights that have been developed over time, such as same-sex, I mean, same-sex would have never had a chance, you know, back at the founding of our country. Right. But things have changed a lot over, I think all of us know that, that the way we've looked at separation of church and state, the way we've looked at uh, civil rights and what they mean to us coming through our whole history of slavery, the whole history of uh, women's rights, all tell us that we've always been moving towards a a more of of an expansion of civil rights of different groups of people. And at the same time, what's interesting is that as that has been expanding, 
society now isn't informed as much, nearly as much, with with a biblical Moors background or Judeo-Christian background. Even though we have a lot of belief in America, we are a much more diverse religious community and people group than we ever were at our founding. And so if you look at today, the real development or shaping of societal thought and communities, we're very scientifically based now. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not biblically based anymore as we used to be. And so that all factors into this whole decision and the whole evolution of this that's been going on. If you were to sit down with Abraham Lincoln, and right after he gave the Gettysburg Address, where he said, all men are created equal, and you'll say, okay, Abe, got a question for you here. Do you include uh, uh, blacks in that? Well, yeah. Do you include Asians in that? Yeah. Do you include Muslims in that? Well, yeah. Do you include gays in that? What would he say, and why would he say it, and what does he need to know to maybe change his mind a little bit on that? Very good question. I mean, you know, when you're going back in history like that, you have to deal with the kind of common knowledge and the kinds of ways that society functioned between what was right and what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, it's easy for us to be disconnected from that history and and try to point out some things. But in the thinking of, of those days, some of the stuff would have never even come up. Even before Lincoln, when, when Jefferson had written that, a Declaration of Independence that you quoted briefly there, right. all men are created equal. That's really an interesting statement because at that time it was revolutionary, but at the same time we still had slaves and we still had women that didn't have, didn't have rights. Right. Obviously by the time we come down to Lincoln, things are changing. They're changing quite a bit in that thinking because the seed had been planted. And so the whole idea of abolition of slavery was picking up with that kernel of thought that all men are created equal, seeing them as all men. And um, that's what was changing and shifting. Now, as far as if you got to gay rights, that wouldn't have been on the radar because most of society at that time would have never even given it a, a, a thought. They would not have seen it as something as we see it today. I don't even think that would have even hardly entered into the conversation. I mean, it was hard enough for Lincoln to do what he did because there for a while... He, he wasn't even into maybe um, freeing the slaves That's as true. such. He was, his interest, his, his initial interest, was keeping the states unified. Right, exactly. exactly. And uh, that was his. That's where his argument laid at first. It wasn't until much later, you know, in the war, middle of the war, by the time we get to Gettysburg, that this whole emancipation idea came out. And so it was. It was stages of things. I don't think things. You know, you just don't change things yeah. overnight on these kind of things. I don't think. Well, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here just a little bit more. And, you know, when when Lincoln was confronted, when this nation was confronted with the question of slavery, it was a moral issue. We were dealing with a moral issue. Can a person own another person? Can another person be enslaved to another person? Now we're dealing with another moral issue. Can a person be gay and be a, a part of society and have all the equal rights? We're dealing with moral issues here. Why does one moral issue work and one moral issue doesn't? What's going on? That's really interesting, because when you mention about the moral issue of slavery, I mean, both sides on that issue were, were claiming morals to be able to either do away with slavery or to keep it. And so are the gays today. They're claiming morals that this is we have the moral right to do this. Yeah, we're kind of similar today in the sense that in the, in the religious world, you know, when you're thinking about same-sex marriage, you've got the two sides of the moral question. Right. You've got those that feel that morally it's wrong. 
from a biblical perspective. And then you've got some who come from a biblical perspective who say, well, no, it's, it's not wrong, that it's being taken out of context and whatnot. So when you're talking about the morality of it, it's interesting because there's two different sides out of the same group as to the way that they would view right. that kind of behavior. And so I think, though, that one thing we ought to, as Christians, be very clear on is that we we should see the dignity of every person. Mm, Um, We may disagree on some of the issues on the same sex at this point. There's no way we'll be able to cover that kind of an issue, per se, as far as how people come to their beliefs on that. But certainly, I think, and I hear in conversations, is that we need to at least uh, be much more respectful of the dignity of, of each individual. Oh, I like that. I like what you're saying there, that when it comes to our being Christian, our Christian response to the gay and lesbian community, that our initial response should be, hey, you're a child of God, you deserve my respect, you deserve me to protect you and care for you, and to actually love you. That's my job as a Christian. That does not have to necessarily run over into my moral side of me, where, okay, I'm going to agree that the way you live, what you do, and how you do it is okay. That's an interesting line to run, and the government seems to be running it better than we are. Am I on the right track here? Well, I think what the government's doing is interesting, is government's not doing it from a a religious perspective. They're just doing it from clearly a, a, an equal rights perspective. And we don't want them to do it from a religious perspective. We don't want government to be doing religious things in our lives. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. We don't want them to do it from that. That's why we have the separation of church and right, state. Right, exactly. But too, you see, we, we see this transformation of culture taking place before us. I mean, look at the rapidity by which same-sex marriage or uh, homosexuality has been accepted in yes. the last, what, maybe 30 years. Yes. It's just been remarkable. Uh, it's one of the fastest transformations. I mean, I, I've only lived on this earth less than 60 years, but the point is, uh, I can't think of something that, is, that has been so socially transformative in the sense of it from where it was the days that I was growing up, for example, to where it is today. Yeah, even women's rights pales in comparison. Uh, yeah, women's rights took, you know, decades to finally, I mean, women finally got to vote in the 1920s. I mean, that's how long that went. They were even longer than slavery itself. In yes. fact, interestingly enough, that after slavery was done away with, in the legal sense, so to speak, women were still not on front and center about voting Male slaves Hmm. were given preference in Hmm. that whole issue of hierarchy of who was going to get the votes, you know. Hmm. And so it's very interesting how women's rights were take a long time, but same-sex marriage has been something, or homosexuality for that matter, has been remarkably rapid uh, in the change. And so because of its rapidity, some people are feeling, especially Christian people, are feeling under siege. Yes. They don't see the America that they grew up in. They don't recognize it anymore. They feel it's uh, falling apart at the seams, that kind of thing. And, of course, you factor in all the other stuff that we have going on with terrorism, the economy and whatnot. These things really end up uh, working with each other in the fears and, and people's thinking. And in the last 60 seconds of our program here, what should we do? How should we as Christians face this world, this topsy-turvy, mixed-up world, and come out relatively unscathed? How are we supposed to do that? Yeah, I wish we would both sides would, would take some time and just listen to each other. I think one of the biggest problems that we have in this whole debate is that both sides are kind of in a zero-sum mentality. Mm. It's going to be our way all the way, or it's not going to be any way. 
And I think that's unfortunate because when you get to that kind of a place, there is no dialogue, there is no possibilities to find some kind of maybe workable compromise. You've heard about the Utah Compromise, perhaps, just very briefly there. Here you have a state that's very religious, and the gay community and the religious community was able to get together here last year or so and come up with a compromise. I don't know that that would work with every state, so to speak, but when we're in a zero-sum mentality, we're not going to make inroads in trying to come to uh, good agreements and balances that I think ought to be there. Hmm. Kevin James has been our guest today. He is the uh, Associate Director for Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for the Southern Union of Seventh-day Adventists. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate your words of wisdom. Thank you for having me, Charles. Listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Kevin James inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. (music) 